As I've said, it gives me great delight to welcome to our pulpit tonight Reverend Kevin McLeod. We've been remembering the Lord's servant many, many years. We've been especially remembering him in his illness, and it's wonderful to have him with us. Wonderful that the Lord has miraculously raised him up again, and we're going to ask him now to come and minister to us. Could I thank your minister for his very kind words of welcome. It is a joy to be here and to renew fellowship with many of the Lord's people. I've never been in this new church. It's been several years since I've been in Caridaf, and it's a joy to be with you and to share in the good hand of the Lord our God upon you. And I'm looking forward to meeting some of you in person after the meeting. But uh, I do appreciate the invitation to come and to share with you what the Lord is doing, what the Lord has done, and uh, to him be all the glory. By rights, if Satan had had his way, I wouldn't be here. I'd be in some hospital bed somewhere, but uh, God had another purpose in view, and by his matchless grace has raised me up to be used afresh for his glory. I'd like to read two portions tonight. Just brief portions, first of all, from Job, Job chapter 23. We'll turn there, if we could, Job chapter 23, and then we'll move into 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 in the New Testament. First of all, Job chapter 23. Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter. My stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come near even to his seat. And then we'll move down to the verse number eight. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. As we know, Job suffered in many ways, but it would seem that the worst of his sufferings was that in the midst of them, he had lost the conscious awareness of the presence of God. And uh, he seemed to get out at this time out of step with the Lord. At least that was his own thought. I must be out of God's will, having experienced these troubles. And it seems that wherever he was at this point in time, he couldn't find the Lord. He didn't enjoy that conscious awareness of the presence and power of the Lord. We could say he lost his way. But here's the the thought, verse number 10, but he knoweth, the Lord, he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And we'll say a few more things about that in a few moments' time. But when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then over into the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll begin our reading at the verse number 1, down to the verse number 5. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and patience of hope 
in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Amen. We look to the Lord at his own special blessing, to the reading from his infallible word. Perhaps we could just pause for a moment's word of prayer. <clears throat> our gracious God and our loving Father, we thank thee for the privilege of meeting afresh with thee around thy precious word. And we pray that in all things, O God, thou alone will have all the glory, because God alone is worthy. We recognize we are where we are. We are what we are only by the grace of God. And therefore, we give thee praise for thy goodness and mercy toward us in Christ. We ask of thee that you'll give help this preacher, O God, to share a word of the great things that God is doing for me. And we pray that the Lord's people will be encouraged, that those outside of Christ will be brought to the Savior, and that again in all things the Lord Jesus shall be highly extolled, for we ask it in the dear Savior's name and for his sake. Amen. Now tonight I have but two points. Uh, I'll give them to you up front. First of all, I want to share with you my Savior. I'm thinking of the one, of course, who saved my soul, my Savior. But then secondly, we're going to think for a moment of my sustainer. He not only has kept me, and not only saved, but kept me and upheld me over many years. But especially I'm thinking of the last three and a half years. And so I'm going to share with you something of that uh, and seek to give glory to the Lord, my Savior and my sustainer. Of course, every child of God can say the same. Now, when I tell you what the Lord has done for me and the way in which you worked in my life, I want to make it clear that your experience may not be exactly like mine. And I don't want you to leave this building tonight and going out and think, well, I never had that experience. Am I saved? We're not saved by our experience. We're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But uh, it is wonderful what the Lord has done for me, and I want to share it with you now. Most testimonies, many testimonies, begin with the words, I was born into a Christian home. And uh, that tells us something of the power of a godly home, doesn't it? God works and moves. It is his sovereign will and prerogative in families. Not that grace runs in the family, but God is pleased to work in that way. And, well, many testimonies rightly begin with those words. I was born into a Christian home. But, you know, our, our testimony really has no beginning in this sense. We were given by the Father to Christ before time began in the everlasting covenant of grace. That's why we read here from 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 4, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, there were many new converts in this congregation to whom the apostle wrote, and he wanted them to know God the Holy Spirit wanted his people, his sons and daughters, to know the cause of their salvation. Brethren, beloved, knowing your election of God. He wanted them to know this. He didn't consider this to be a truth that they should wait for three or four or five years before they come to embrace. He wanted them to embrace it now. And, uh, well, of course, when I think of that, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, this brings joy. 
first of all, of course, it shows us exactly where the cause, the great cause of our salvation lie in the heart and mind and purpose of the Lord. We, we think of that verse, ye have not uh, or, or chosen me, but I have chosen you. Now, of course, we do come to choose Christ, but that is based on his eternal election so far as his people are concerned. And this gives confidence, it gives gratitude, and it gives humility when we think of the great eternal cause of our salvation. Then, of course, in time, God arranged for the word of the gospel to be set before me. And prayer, of course, was said for me. I was born into a Christian home in Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada, in 1959. Maybe you should have, well, of course, if you have your phone, there's a calculator on the phone, and you can work out my, my age. 1959, July the 6th. Into a home where the fear of God was known, thanks, of course, to my Christian parents. We had a family altar. I can still see it in my mind's eye. I can see the stick that was beside my father that he would have to use from time to time when we became a little bit unruly uh, during that time. But he didn't let that discourage him. He didn't say, well, these children are not listening. What's the use of me doing this? It pays dividends. You reap what you sow in the days to come. We had Sabbath worship. The whole day was given over to the worship of God, morning, evening, sometimes in the afternoon if we weren't on our own beds. Uh, we were out to a meeting, a gospel meeting, in a nearby hall. And then uh, in the evening time, we went to some Christian home for fellowship. Often there was a missionary uh, in the area, and we went to homes where the missionaries were being kept and uh, housed at that time. And this was a tremendous means of grace in the hand of God of molding a young hearts to think upon spiritual things. I was sent yearly along to a Christian camp. This was the highlight of the, the year for me, um, a week in August uh, on a, at a camp near a, a lake. And I look forward to going there and skiing and all the rest. And at one of those camp meetings, I made a profession of faith. But do you know, the word didn't come to me at that time. I realize it now, didn't realize it then, but didn't come to me in saving power. And uh, we read here in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 5, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. But that's just precisely what happened to me. God's word, it came to me at that time, as wonderful it was, in word only. It wasn't accompanied by the power, the saving, convicting, life-giving power of the Holy Ghost. And what does that lead to? That leads to nominalism. And that's where I was, resting in a profession of faith that had not been followed, accompanied by a convicting power of the Holy Ghost. God's Word came to me in Word only. It's wonderful, the Word, but this is the thing we ought to fear. Hearing the word, but not experiencing the power of the word to the power of the Holy Ghost. This is why there is so much nominalism in churches, sadly, in many cases in our own churches as well. Now, my older sister and brother went to New Brunswick Bible Institute. Uh, at the age of 12, we went along to the Spring Conference 
And the preacher on that occasion was Pastor Willie Mullen. And he mentions this in his book, Tramp After God. The day of that gospel meeting I attended, I spent with the principal son, Danny Robbins. A number of the men who were leading this Bible school had come from this part of the world. And that's why they were able to get Pastor Willie Mullen at that time. This boy, Danny, took me down to one of the inroads or inlets to the St. John River, big river. And I'm looking at the height of this ceiling. The cliff that he would take me up on that occasion was probably about twice the height of this ceiling. Uh, Steep, sheer, ragged cliffs. And I made the mistake about halfway up, going along a narrow precipice about a foot long, foot wide, to look down, and my head began to swim. And uh, I thought to myself, oh, Danny boy, if I ever get you to the top, you're going to hear it from me. But I was so glad when I got to the top that I forgot all about uh, that first intention. But you know, the devil... I believe, knew what lay in front of me that particular day, that meeting that I would go to where I was going to be converted. He knew. Theologians speak of prevenient grace, grace whereby we are kept until the day of our salvation. And uh, thank the Lord, Satan did not have his way. I arrived at the meeting quite unconcerned. I had made a profession of faith. I wasn't worried. And, uh, in fact, I was quite light-hearted and made some jokes along with the fellow that I sat beside that particular evening. And that soon changed. It changed dramatically. It changed swiftly. Because I realized no one had to try and convince me that I was on my way to hell. In the meeting that night, the message was on the subject of hell. No one, no one had to try and convince me that's where I was heading. No one did not, no one had to tell me, look, God's word only came to you in word only. You're not saved. I knew as soon as the message began where my eternal destiny lie. And I was sitting on that occasion beside my Uncle Billy. I noticed, I happened to look over at one point in the message, and those tears Billy was a hard man. That surprised me. What's all Uncle Billy crying about? And the the great tragedy is there was tears, but there was no repentance. And it may well be that that was his final opportunity with Christ as his Savior, uh, to make him his Savior. And so... We ought not to trifle about the things of God. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, young person, older person, about the things of God, don't take that in a lighthearted fashion. It is a great mercy God is working at your heart. And you ought to very, very quickly to say, Lord, whatever you have for me to do, I'll do it. And we trust the night he'll lead you out of sin and into salvation by divine Grace, but that may well have been Uncle Billy's final opportunity. Under deep conviction of sin, I was throughout the meeting. When the uh, meeting came to close, Pastor Willie Mullen asked for individuals to come to the front. 
I was the very back, the very back. But no one had to try to persuade me, not that I thought for a moment that I was saved by going up to the front. I knew better than that. Um, and no one could have held me back. And I was under such conviction of sin at that time, I can't explain this. I remember going unconscious when I took the stroke. And of course, it's not the same thing, but there's a similarity here. I have no idea, consciousness of what happened for the time I went to the front of that building, moving over to nearby adjoining complex. But what I can remember is, as it were, coming to. And I was in a room, probably about half the size of this room, about 20 people or so, and I recognized some of them. Some of them were the Bible students, men, women, who I thought, nothing wrong with them spiritually. There they were to be saved. And Mr. Mullen asked for each individual to give a word of testimony. And he started at the front. And I was at the very back again. And when he came to me, I began to say something. I don't even remember what it was. But I remember this. I couldn't speak because it was joy unspeakable and full of glory. The burden of sin had lifted. I felt as though I could have floated. And uh, in this place of this great overwhelming burden, weighing me down to hell, I came to that place of experiencing peace with God through the blood of Christ. It was joy unspeakable. Well, that was about 50 years ago. And by the grace of God and God's grace alone, I'm still giving a word of testimony. And I leave it there tonight, this wonderful work of grace God did in my own heart. And I rejoice that God saves for time and he saves for eternity. I'm still on the Christian path and by the grace of God will continue until the day Christ comes or calls me home. My Savior. But I, I want to emphasize, maybe you didn't have that experience. As long as it is a saving experience, that's all that matters. You're saved by grace through faith. Can you point to a change? Can you point to a time which a new person came into your life? Your, your heart was revolutionized. And you began to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Christ my Savior, but Christ my sustainer. I trust that word will be used to the salvation of precious souls. I trust this word will be used to the encouragement of God's people. He upholds, we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Kept by the power of, now the object, the, the vehicle is by faith. We are kept by the power of God through faith, the faith of God's elect. It lasts through faith unto salvation. So we're going to move forward some 50 years. I can hardly believe that, nearly half a century. To June 22nd, 2019, that was the day of our wedding anniversary, an anniversary my wife and myself will never, ever forget. Uh, the day, the evening, I suffered a massive stroke. I lost my health very quickly. Oh, how quickly it all happened. How slender, how frail is that slender line of life. 
And in a very few moments of time, I lost half of my brain function. The whole left hemisphere was saturated. Uh, I, I lost my job, if I could put it that way. I lost my way of life. I can't do things now I used to do. But I have not lost my salvation. I have been kept by the power of God. I've not lost my desire to preach. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God doesn't change his mind. He doesn't take the gift back. He gives us. That's it. Or have I lost my desire to go on with my Savior? In fact, he's more real and he's more precious to me now than he's ever been. We were in Australia for our 28th wedding anniversary, and as my wife's gift to me, we were staying that night, June the 22nd, in the scenic remote village of Hallstatt, uh, beside a, a large lake at the base of a mountain. And around 10 o'clock, I went into uh, the larger portion of the room in which we were staying and looked into the mirror, and I noticed that my, the right side of my uh, face had changed shape. And I knew, I knew that I was suffering a stroke. Now, my wife doesn't remember this. We were trying to think about this a few days ago. But um, what I said was, dear, I think I'm having a stroke. And that's all it. That's all the last thing I remember. I remember trying to get out of the room, falling down, mumbling a few things, and I woke up in the hospital bed. But how quickly... I went from health to being unwell and how unwell I was. Just, oh, ever so quickly. So there I was in that hospital bed in Salzburg, Austria. And uh, immediately after taking the stroke, my wife managed, I'm considerably bigger than she is, yet she managed to put me into the recovery position before seeking help. And you can put yourself in her position. I can put myself somewhat in her position. She prayed, Lord, what will I do? Here I am in a strange country, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, everything's shut down. Everything at 10 o'clock closes in Hallstatt. And so what, what am I to do? Uh, she went to the front desk. The front desk was empty. Empty, yes. 10 o'clock, that's it. Workers go home. But a definite strong impression came to her mind, go outside. Now, I'm not trying to say that it was an audible voice. It wasn't. But a definite impression came to her to, to go outside. That was the clear feeling that she, she had. But it was pitch dark. And all the outdoor cafes were closed. And uh, yet she noticed at the corner of the, her eye some movement. And she looked a little more closely. There were two individuals there, and they were sitting having tea. And she went to them and said, can you help me? Can you help my husband? Can you come? And uh, so the, the man spoke. Here's the first thing that really strikes me. He spoke English. She could have asked 100 people at that time a question, and uh, they might not have spoken English. But this man spoke English, and he said, show me where he is. I'm 
a first responder from a rescue team. Do you believe that? He thought he was having a cup of tea because it was his decision. Well, it involved his decision, but God placed him there. And he was there for a reason. He was there to help my wife and to help me. I'm not saying it was an angel. could have been. Uh, but uh, they're one of our ministering spirits. And God has them scattered throughout the world, overlooking the lives of his people. So he said, I'm, I'm a first responder in the rescue team. That man took complete control in getting me to the hospital. And I would say, isn't God's providence wonderful? You're here tonight, yes, because you decided to come, but come. But far more importantly, you're here tonight because of the providential leading and guiding of God. That's why you're here. And uh, we ought to think more seriously about God's providential care so far as his own people are concerned. My wife then got down before the Lord having her devotions. Uh, she was reading from Isaiah 55. I'll read it for you. Isaiah chapter 55 and the verse number 8, this is what she read. The best thing you can do, trying to confront any surgery or any emergency, is to get to the Word. And sometimes we think, well, we don't have time to pray, we don't have time to read. But that will be fatal. The best thing we can do in times of distress, in times we can say of emergency, is to get down before God and get the Bible open. Isaiah 55, this was her reading this day. For my thoughts, verse number 8, are your, not thought, or your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And immediately peace came. Because that was God telling her, look, this isn't your thought, this isn't your way, this is mine. And though it is so far beyond what you could ever think, Yet this is part of my dealings and my providential ways with your husband and you as well. And so peace came to her soul. She knew God was in control. He hadn't lost touch with his way. And she may not have understood the way, didn't. But God was in absolute imperial control. The next morning she, she phoned home and uh, speaking to one of our daughters, Jessica, and she said, you must get people to pray. And uh, her efforts, that is Jessica's efforts to get people to pray, seem to go viral. We're still meeting people. You know, I tell you, there was a great volume of prayer went up for you at that time. And you were being prayed for. And uh, God's people, I'm humbled to think this, across the world, we live in a shrinking world, had heard of my distress, and they, they really began to pray for me. One man said to me recently, we had, we had a special men's night of prayer. Couldn't believe it, for me. And we really prayed. Well, I said to them, and I'm going to say to you, I'm here in answer to your prayers. That's why I'm here. There's no other reason why I'm here. God has answered prayer. And I want to thank you 
for your prayers. I sometimes feel I can't do it. I can't go out to these churches, but I, I want to, to thank God's people for prayer and to encourage them to, to know that God, these are not just words. These are real. God does answer true believing prayer. And should I say nothing else tonight? If you get that message into your heart, in your distress, in your time of trouble, so many of God's people are suffering in so many ways. Don't leave your Bible. Have your daily devotions. Get down to pray. Spread the burden. Get other people to pray. And I tell you, God does the miracle. God steps in. And as God does do many wonderful and gracious things for his people. So I want to thank you most heartily for your prayers on my behalf. Prayer changes things. And maybe this week you're going to go through some trial. And, and I trust that God will use this little testimony to say, well, now look, God, God is in control. This isn't my way. This is God's. I'm, I'm not going to fall out with God. I'm still going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray. And I know God will see me through. If he can bring that man through, he can bring me through. In the morning, the hotel lady was back again, as far as we know, unconverted lady. But having heard of my, or my situation, she offered to drive my wife, that was about a two-hour drive, to the hospital. And that really, of course, spoke to my wife. Here's an unsaved lady, and she's prepared to do this for me. What am I prepared to do for the unsaved? Uh, and uh, when she eventually got to the hospital, the doctor said to her, your husband has suffered a massive bleed. And he was probably just a matter of moments from death. Uh, and he's going to be here for several months. Don't, don't be thinking about going home. Physio there told me, you'll have to be content with very small progress, small steps forward. But he was trying to get reality into my wife's heart and mind. But my wife said to him, that, that, that cannot be. Doctor, my family needs me back in Ulster. And what more she's thinking, although she didn't verbalize this, I, I can't afford these Medical bills, they'll be astronomical. And I want my husband home for his sixth, 60th birthday. So you do the arithmetic. Uh, that, was, that would be July the 6th. I've mentioned that already. I took the stroke in June 22. What's that, two weeks apart? You know I was home for my birthday, far from well. But my wife and God's people across the world began to pray. And this doctor, I'm sure he himself was somewhat unbelieving. Uh, he arranged a, a special uh, trip by plane, of course, with all small plane, but equipped with all the necessary equipment, nurses, uh, taking me to the, the hospital in Coleraine. And it was quite, a, quite an arrangement. He himself said, well, I, I don't believe this is happening. You see, he didn't, he didn't know that prayer changes things. And he didn't know that my wife was a, a woman of prayer. And I love someday to be able to go back again and to share with him and to thank 
him and others who tended to me at that most needy time in my own life. Maybe in the will of God, such will be the case. Just a, a word about expenses. When Thelma booked the, the holiday, she, she used MasterCard Gold. Now, that's not a, an advertisement for, for MasterCard Gold. She used that rather than MasterCard Standard for no apparent reason that she was aware of. But it turned out that MasterCard Gold paid for the hospital bills, hotel expenses, traveling expenses. And truly, we can say God works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. I might just share this with you. <laughs> On the way back, uh, your minister will know what spoonerisms are. Uh, sometimes we get words back to front, especially in the pulpit. Uh, and uh, we, we are somewhat grieved about that, but uh, the nurse that was tending to me, speaking to my, to my wife, uh, and I asked my wife, is she going to, I meant to say, sedate me? But what I said was seduce me. And that's, of course, not what I wanted, not what I meant. But uh, I believe the Lord himself has a sense of humor in times when we've lost our sense of humor. It doesn't change God's way of acting so far as his people are concerned. Now, while I was in Salzburg in the ICU, I asked my wife, do you, ever th do you think I'll ever preach again? Uh, and I, I, I know my wife well enough now, I looked at her. I looked at her eyes. I thought, is she going to just try and tell me uh, what I want to hear? If she's not like that. And I said, do you think I'll ever preach again? And without hesitation, she answered, certainly. And you'll even be a better preacher. Now, I didn't take from that that I was a great preacher. What I took from that was, that having had this experience of God, I would never have chosen for myself. But this will give me a deeper understanding and appreciation of who God is. Having a deeper experience of God, you'll be able to preach better. And I was somewhat surprised. If you had seen me at that time, uh, you wouldn't have given me much chance so far as preaching again is concerned. So she had got a promise. That's, that's, the, that's the key. I want to stress that she got a promise. If you get a promise from God, you've got everything. And that promise came again in her daily Bible reading just a few days later. Isaiah 57 and verse number 18. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto his, uh, to, to, to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Now, the healing wasn't instantaneous. Uh, it was a slow but steady progress. And after some three and a half years, I can look back and say, yes, God is still, I believe, healing me. I can see improvements. Little, be content, that physiotherapist said, with little advances. I learned to be able to lift my toe on my right hand foot. It's all affecting me. The, the stroke was down the left side of the brain, but the course was outworked on the right side of the body. Um, and I had to work, work to get just my big toe to move. 
And I'll tell you, there were times I felt like taking my shoes and socks and throwing them as far as I could throw them. And uh, so God gave my wife a promise, and that's all we need. God gives you a promise. You've got the greatest thing you could ever have. Because God cannot, it's an impossibility for God to turn away and forget his promise. He can't do that. One of the things God cannot do is turn from his own precious word. Very interesting there that that promise concerned his lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off. I create the fruit of the lips. Now, what is that? I took that as being a preacher. And uh, way back in my days before entering into the college and coming to meet your minister at the Whitfield College of the Bible, God had given me a promise. Uh, Lord, should I go to the college? I, I, I have this problem with spoonerisms. I say things I shouldn't say. And he gave me this promise, go. Now, therefore, go. It's not for you to work out the problem. Now, therefore, go, and I'll be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. I'll be with your mouth. I made the lips. I can form them properly. Now I thought, this, this stroke of mine that affected my speech is going to be a real test as to the veracity of the promise of God. But here I am, still speaking. The fruit of the lips, the grace of God at work, still preaching. That's a miracle. I'm not charismatic, uh, but I believe God is a God of miracles. And I don't say it lightly, trivially. It's a miracle that I'm in the pulpit tonight. If the devil had his way, I'd be in some hospital bed. But God wasn't finished with me. The very fact that you're here tells you you're not, you're not done yet, what you have to do for God. And you and I are immortal until our work is done. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And if you want to know God's secrets, what God is going to do, he reveals it to his people through those that fear him through his word. That's why we have to get in continually to the word of the living God. Within a matter of a few days, after returning home from Austria, four different individuals shared Job 23 with me. That's why I read it tonight. But he knoweth the way that I take when he hath tried me. When he hath, oh, it was a trial. When he hath tried me, he's not going to wreck me. He's not going to ruin me. He's going to improve me. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, it's not been an easy process. Refining never is. But the Lord has brought me through thus far. And he has given me something of himself in return that I could never get by any other way. I wish I could. But this is part of God's way. And you will find it to be so. Maybe you've found it already. You've gone through some trial and you've, God has brought you through. You've proved God. He's given you a promise. And the promise is held good. And you can say, I've proved God. I've gained an experience of God that I could never gain by any other means. So, friend, I don't know what God has in store for you. 
but I know is something, and something special for you to do as his child. Now, it's not been easy, of course, for my wife either, and dealing, of course, with a person who is brain damaged, as I was, uh, half my brain in the space of a few short hours. It's saturated. Uh, and dealing with anybody, dealing with me, dealing with me at, the, at the best of times is not an easy process. But with somebody who's brain damaged, it's, it's an entirely different kettle of fish that you're, you're dealing with. And so it was not an easy process for her either. That night at the Hallstatt, we were staying there. It was my wife's uh, trip or gift to me. We were staying there that night. Um, and uh, as a gift to me. And I, I would say to her, well, you may ask me, what is God's greatest gift? My, God's greatest gift apart from Christ is my wife. She doesn't have to buy me free nights at a hotel to prove that. Of course, if she were to take me back there again for another night, I certainly would be glad to take it. But... Uh, I don't know, child of God, what the Lord has in store for you. But this I know, that God has something great or little for you to do. As I went on in the process of the healing work of God in my own heart and life, I was concerned greatly about death. When am I going to die? How much time do I have left? Well, this comes back to God's, and I believe that, don't say this uh, lightheartedly or flippantly, God has a sense of humor. I was in a ward in, in the hospital in Coleraine, six in a ward, and the man beside me, I wanted his bed, by the way, because he was by the window, uh, but the nurse wouldn't, wouldn't comply. She said, no, this is where you're going to be. Uh, he was nine, 90 years of age, and he had suffered a stroke previously. And his wife came, well, I couldn't speak, I was watching him every day and he was reading his Bible, that he's a Christian man. And uh, she told me he had a stroke when he was 70. So here he is 90, I'm doing the arithmetic. 20, he lived 20 years after his stroke. And God could give me another generation yet. Or uh, many more years besides. Uh, so he, he was saying, really what the Lord was speaking to my own heart was, whatever time I give you, you feed my lambs. You feed them with the finest of the wheat. Brethren, you and I are immortal until our week is, work is done. The, the surgeon at that time said to me, look, you've got leaky plumbing in, in the base of your neck. Uh, you could go at any time, uh, he said, but... Live to your hundred. I thought, okay, I don't know how I'm going to quite uh, reconcile those two thoughts together. But uh, with God, all things are possible. But every time God has given to you, he is redeeming it, and he's refining you. The best, the best is yet to be. I find myself looking at others, and I somewhat envy them. I was watching your minister come up to the pulpit here tonight and I was with half the church behind him. And I, for a time, thought, well, I can learn to walk by watching people. 
I can think my way back into walking, as I should. And I tried that and tried that, it didn't work. <laughs> but I like to think that when I get to glory, I'm going to be a step ahead of many of you. I like to think that as we together traverse the, the streets of glory, uh, one with the other. If we had a fire alarm here tonight, I'd probably be the last one out. But that's all going to change when we get to the glory land. One thing is for sure, God has great things in store for those who love him, those who fear him, those who wait for him, and those who trust in him before the sons of men. Closing shortly, one thing for sure, God has a plan for you. And when I am cast down, yes, the Lord has healed me, is healing me, but I can tell you there have been many low points. I got to a point maybe a year into the recovery and uh, I got down before God and I said, Lord, will you not? You've said you've given us all things richly to enjoy. See, I was pleading the promise. Lord, would you help me to laugh again? I had, I think, a great sense of humor and I've lost that. And Lord, could you not just touch me a little bit so that I can at least to some degree measure enjoy, not just an existence, but enjoy life. And you know, from that moment, it wasn't instantaneous. From that moment of time, yes, there was a marked improvement. And uh, I began to enjoy life again. And yet I still get cast down. There are still times when I'm bleak and black. And I often think of William Cowper's hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Cowper was a man who suffered from depression. Maybe you do. Even paranoia at times. And on more than one occasion, he sought to kill himself. And on this occasion, he went to the river Ice. And he was ready to jump into the river to end it all. And with that, God sent along a carriage of horses that distracted him and kept him from his purpose. And he returned home and he opened his booklet, began to write, and he gave this wonderful hymn, God Moves. I'm not going to read it tonight, but I want you to go home and read it. God works in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and he rides upon the storm. And God, of course, had a great view in store and purpose in store for the life and ministry of William Cowper. God moves in a mysterious way. I wonder, child of God, where you're at tonight, where you're going to be this week. But I would encourage you, come what may, don't fall out with God. This is God's plan, God's purpose. Get into your Bible. Get into the place of prayer, come to the place of prayer and pray yourself through the great distress perhaps that will come or has come upon your heart and upon your life. So I trust that God will take this simple word of testimony. My, there's, there's so much more I could say, brethren, but time is uh, gone. I hope I haven't kept you too late. Um, but my heart goes out to God's people who are in distress. 
And very often the minister's in distress. People don't know what he feels. He can't share it with the people. And maybe that's the way you feel. You can share it with God. And God loves to hear from his people that are downcast and despondent and to lift you up again. So brethren, here I am tonight. I'm here because people like you prayed for me. Maybe you have a loved one at home. And it's a wayward child, or wayward children. Don't give in to Satan's accusations, Satan's discouragements. You pray on. You live on. And in time, God's good and perfect and acceptable will will be known unto you. So brethren, thank you for coming tonight, and I trust that God will speak to those out of Christ as well as those in Christ. Thank you very much.